You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. Program Reflections. Time just now is 7:35. Today, 9th of May, Saturday, 15th of Ramadan, and for some is 16th. Uh, iftar today is going to be at 19 minutes past nine. Uh, as always, uh, I am your host for Reflections, Zubair Akram, on this 15th day of Ramadan, and with my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, inshallah, I'll bring you uh, these uh, ayahs of Surah Kahf, the, the beautiful story of Surah Kahf that we are covering uh, in this um, uh, blessed month of Ramadan. Uh, the 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 story that we chose uh in trying to understand our current situation that we find ourselves in and obviously all this quran all of the ayahs of the quran uh are recited are read so that we find relevance for ourselves for our lives how we're living our lives and how we can better ourselves and understand uh what our creator wants from uh the teachings Uh, he has revealed to his beloved Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So let's take uh, to these uh, ayahs from sixty uh, to eighty-two. Uh, we'll play a part of it today, and we'll invite the comments of our uh, Sheikh Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad after this recitation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah. The absolutely merciful, the especially merciful. وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِفَتَاهُ لَا أَبْرَحُ حَتَّى أَبْلُغَ مَجْمَعَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ أَوْ أَمْضِيَ حُقُبًا And when Moses said to his boy servant, I will not give up until I reach the junction of the two seas, or I spend years and years in traveling. فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ مَجْمَعَ بَيْنِهِمَا نَسِيَ حُوتَهُمَا فَاتَّخَذَ سَبِيلَهُ فِي الْبَحْرِ سَرَبًا But when they reached the junction of the two seas they forgot their fish and it took its way through the sea as in a tunnel فَلَمَّا جَاوَزَا قَالَ لِفَتَاهُ آتِنَا غَدَاءَنَا لَقَدْ لَقِينَا مِنْ سَفَرِنَا هَذَا نَصَبًا So when they had passed further on, Moses said to his boy servant, Bring us our morning meal. Truly we have suffered much fatigue in this journey of ours. قَالَ أَرَأَيْتَ إِذْ أَوَيْنَا إِلَى الصَّخْرَةِ فَإِنِّي نَسِيتُ الْحُوتَ وَمَا أَنْسَانِيهُ إِلَّا الشَّيْطَانُ أَنْ أَذْكُرَهُ وَاتَّخَذَ سَبِيلَهُ فِي الْبَحْرِ عَجَبًا He said, Do you remember when we betook ourselves to the rock? I indeed forgot the fish. None but Satan made me forget to remember it. It took its course into the sea in a strange way. Moses said, That is what we have been seeking. So they went back, retracing their footsteps. 
فوجد عبدا من عبادنا آتيناه رحمة من عندنا وعلمناه من لدنا علما Then they found one of our servants unto whom we had bestowed mercy from us and whom we had taught knowledge from us. قال له موسى هل أتبعك على Moses said to him, May I follow you so that you teach me something of that knowledge which you have been taught? So these were, uh, this is the first part of the section that I wanted to cover last time. Um, and I think we only got two of the ayahs uh, properly covered um, and inshallah we'll have uh, some more comments uh, from Sheikh Rizwan on this one Assalamu alaikum Sheikh Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Sheikh welcome uh, to this program um, on Surah Kahf Reflections um, people who are listening uh, on Radio Ramadan um, uh, the, the normal frequency 87.7 1530 uh, medium wave uh, on our Facebook live our website and also on iSyllabus website we welcome you all um, to inshallah have another engaging session with Sheikh Rizwan so Sheikh um, these ayahs that we um, uh, just heard um, turning into b- back into the story so from the general advice to the story of Musa alayhi salam and last time, if I remember, I was trying to understand from you that what part of uh, Musa's life um, this these ayahs uh, have a context in. Mm-hmm. It was the early part. Was it the later? Was it the kind of the the end part of his? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that that was one. And from there, I just wanted to understand more of why he was doing what he was doing. Although being knowledgeable, mm-hmm. saying that I'm knowledgeable, but still seeking to meet a person who apparently is more knowledgeable than him, mm-hmm. maybe in other realms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So last um, session we did cover, I think, the first first verse, which introduces the story with Qala Musa li Fatahu. So we talked about the fact that it's a reminder of something that's happened in the past. And this is obviously is one of the questions that the, the Quraysh posed at the behest of the, the rabbis of Medinat al-Nawara. And so what's interesting about the story is that it has I mentioned last week well last um, in our last sitting that um, there's no specific parallels to this in the, the Old Testament mm-hmm. in, the, in the annals of the Prophet Musa alayhi salatu was some I didn't get in fact I didn't get time I, was, I, I promised I would look up look that up but I didn't get time to because mm-hmm. I think you, you you did you say there was parallels or yeah there were there were parallels in other uh, other scriptures yeah, there's parallels in other scriptures, mythology, so that's not contentious. The issue I was um, raising was um, the seven sleepers is a Christian narrative. Mm. Why were the rabbis asked about that? Um, this narrative is not in the Old Testament. And it was their scripture, the Torah, mm. which is you know the kind of um, narrative about um, the prophets. Um, and so why would they query this specific instance when... Uh, they haven't codified it in their narratives. So, in 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 Christian and Jewish sources, the closest they come to is actually to to mix up Khidr and 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 um, Elijah, 
as, as essentially the same, whereas in Islam, Elias is, 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 a, is a different prophet. Um, and so what's interesting here in this specific um, section is that what's been asked about is not something that they're sure of, and therefore maybe there are narratives, and there is narratives about the prophet Elijah in, in, the, in, the, in the kind of Jewish scriptures and narratives, oral narratives, um, something slightly similar. In other words, um, a, a young attendant, um, in a sense, traveling with Elijah. And, and so there's a kind of a situation where the Prophet Musa is not part of the equation. And Khidr, as we know, is not part of the equation. So it's two different people. And the story that's there that they have is vaguely um, similar only because of the fact there's two people traveling and some interesting things happen. Um, not that they do exactly the same thing where, where you know, Khidr kills somebody or um, <clears throat> damages a ship. What we do have is a slight narrative about rebuilding a wall. But mm. then that's not sufficient to say that the Quran is copying or mimicking a, a previous story. This is a completely new story. But he was, uh, Prophet ﷺ was accused that he copy-pasted. He knew stuff from other people and he's just narrating the story. Yeah, so this is something that um, the, you know, the Quraysh repeated. They called it Asatir al-Awwaleen, the, mm. the fables of the people of the past. So the, even the, the scriptures they consider to be fables anyway. But, you know, this is a, this is a kind of leitmotif of, of modern Christian evangelism against Islam, um, which is that the stories are essentially the same, but they're not essentially the same. They're actually very clearly different. And so whenever we look at any narrative of the Quran about something, you find it would obviously be speaking about the same things because we accept the same things. Mm. So if we accept the Prophet Musa, we accept the Prophet Ibrahim, the Prophet Adam, the Prophet Isa, obviously if you accept them, you you check their names and also if you check their names you check the details of their lives but what happens in the Quran is it actually um, provides detail and information and focus which is missing completely in all of the stories of the previous scriptures which which then would say well why would it make that claim it only makes that claim because it says they've been um, adulterated that they've been changed or altered and so the Qur'an comes and it, and it really does baffle um, the mind of the listener who was listening at that time because the, the rabbis are waiting for these answers and when the answers do come after a period they are given the story of the seven sleepers pointing out that we know it and what's important and it's not what you think is important is what we're saying which is it's a proof of the resurrection and the power of God and the power of people sacrificing themselves and their, and, and their um, life for truth and for the worship of God. And then the story of the Prophet Musa what's interesting here is again, the, the details are not there but the Quran provides very interesting um, points of um, focus. So, you know, remember this is about humbling the Prophet Musa we talked about this approach of humbling which is, I said, is a process of elevating and raising and and um, blessing the Prophet Musa Ali You know, people would say, you know, it's, it's humiliating or it's it's educating or it is disciplining. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a way to say, well, look, 
he said he's the most knowledgeable and God said I'll teach you a lesson you can Tam- take that narrative tambi, as they call it in Urdu tambi tambi no, tambi would be is to just to point out something and to oh, awa- make somebody aware of something okay so in Arabic it would be tawbikh okay tawbikh is really to reprimand hmm. and so I think I mean this was a part, part of our discussion last last time we were speaking about this, which is when did this happen? I think the co- the the commentary or the work that you have indicates that this happened ju- during the beginning of the Prophet Musa's yes prophetic period. Uh, yeah, whereas Again, I, the, the author says it's not because there is any documented fact mm-hmm. uh, that the mizaj of the ayahs that the the training that prophets go through in the mm-hmm. earlier part of their prophethood mm-hmm. seems to be. The case that this is where they're still acquiring knowledge, and they, they, they are trying to prove to themselves and prove to other people that mm. this realm exists mm. of mojiza and okay. of of the third dimension. I mean, it's plausible. I mean, I, I, the way I understood it was where it is of benefit to honor a person and to point out this is when they're at their pinnacle, yeah. not the beginning. Okay, does that make sense? So it's it's. At the beginning, it would be disciplining. It's like the story of um, um, Imam Abu Hanifa and his student Abu Yusuf. Abu Yusuf, obviously, um, yeah. So the, the reason why I was saying why I was saying because it just that narrative fits much better that the Prophet Musa experienced this towards the end of his life because the first reason is he was giving he was preaching to Bani, the, the children of Israel. This would happen when they were in a large congregation, and he was able to then. Shows authority Whereas in the earlier period Before This He wouldn't be able to do that And there would be a congregation To speak to And in the process He's he's Because it's such a beautiful um, Reminder And sermon that he gives Despite the fact He had Remember he had a list hmm. He had a, a Speech impairment Which is why he's always sent With the Prophet uh, Harun salam. And he asked for his help He, he made a dua Yeah so he Allah sent him with him To make sure that he would He would allow the message to be given very clearly But despite that he gives such an amazing sermon That somebody asks him who's the most knowledgeable He says I am And so it's also at the pinnacle of what your power is You're told that even at that thing Where you have a right to say I'm the most knowledgeable now Because I've completed everything He's brought down for himself to, to learn mm. And what's amazing is he humbles himself To go on this journey The thing I was saying Abu Yusuf and Imam uh, Abu Hanifa. Abu Hanifa obviously took Abu Yusuf, his student, under his wing at a very young, early age, about the age of, um, you know, we talk about 11, 12, that kind of age. He he actually prized him from his family um, by saying that he would gain more by studying sacred knowledge than being able to earn a living. His mother remonstrated and actually protested against Abu Hanifa and, and shouted at him because she said, mm-hmm. my son's earning such and such amount every day at that young age to feed the family, to support the family because they were poor. And Abu Abu Hanifa said um, to his his mother and to Abu Yusuf, he says, it may well be that you will um, partake in sweet pastries um, at the hand of the Khalifa if you continue on the path of sacred knowledge. Mm. You know the you know the story. Mm. It's quite an interesting story because. He then continues, his mother is still arguing with him, and then Abu Yusuf becomes Qadi al-Qudat. It's the first time in Islamic history that anyone was called the, the, the judge of judges, like the Supreme Court head judge. And when he was that, he would obviously frequent um, Harun al-Rashid, who was his, the, the, the Khalif at the time. And, and one day Harun al-Rashid was discussing something with him, and then food was brought, and one of the things that was brought was honey, uh, honey 
um, t- flavored um, pastry in turquoise plates, which is exactly what Abu, Abu Hanifa said. He said, you, it may well be that you'll come to eat honey, honey flavored pastry in turquoise plates from the, in the presence of the Khalifa. And that's exactly what happened. Abu, Abu Yusuf started to laugh when he saw the, the, the plates. And, and then Abu, uh, Harun Rashid said, why are you laughing? He said, because my, my teacher, Abu, Abu Hanifa, um, mentioned this to me when I was young, poor and poverty stricken. Now what's interesting about Abu Yusuf and Abu Hanifa is Abu Hanifa, obviously he's older, but Abu Yusuf in his mid, mid, mid-life he went through a very serious illness to the point that everyone felt that he was on his deathbed. And then you know, when he was on death, his deathbed, Abu, Abu Hanifa sends one of his students to Abu Yusuf and, say, and, and basically he was praising him before he sent him. And saying Abu Yusuf was one of my best students, one of the most mm-hmm. articulate. And and if it was if it was only for the the fact that he would remain alive, he would take my place at the head of this teaching circle. Because every masjid had a teaching circle. Mm-hmm. With the if the grand teacher passed away, somebody would take the place. And so you can imagine, lots of people imagined that they would be the person that would do it. But Abu Hanifa let out that he, if he had survived, he would have been the um, the person. And what happens is that Abu Hanifa um, does this and Abu Yusuf um, recovers from this death illness. And as soon as he recovers from his death illness, he remembers the words of his teacher and then he ends up setting up his own teaching circle. And it was not waiting for succession, but setting up his own shop. Mm. You understand? Like So he basically, he took the, these words of encouragement from Abu Yusuf as a sign that he should actually go, go alone and set up his own um, teaching circle and also his own school, Imam but then Yusuf. Abu, eh? Imam Yusuf. Yes, so Abu Hanifa looked to him in the same mosque, you know, in the other corner. Yeah. Abu Yusuf set up stall, and then Abu Hanifa then asked him a couple of questions which baffled Abu Yusuf, and he came back to his teacher's um, circle. Okay. So he asked him about a person who who sent close to a. a, a, a um, what would you call it? A tailor, and he did this and this, and then who, who's who's compensating whom? Because the, the 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 tailor has used time, but he's also made a mistake. But the mistake is not something that was specified, and so the situation is such that the answer is not very clear. And Abu Yusuf answers twice; he gets it wrong twice, and Abu Hanifa sends him the right answer. And when he sends the right answer, he comes back to his circle. Mm. So humbling, it was humbling. humbling. And essentially what's happening here is Allah is humbling. And yeah, you could say Abu Hanifa's honoring. A, sorry, just a side question. So Abu Hanifa's honoring Abu Yusuf by protecting him from the arrogance yeah. that he was afflicted by and saying, this come back and I'll give you an easy way of coming back. And essentially the Prophet Musa is actually honored by the fact that he's been given an insight into the fact that he isn't the most knowledgeable. Hmm. And therefore that's a benefit to him that the, the sense of self is, is slightly lessened and effaced here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, I was asking uh, Sheikhen, the, the, the title mm-hmm. Is for Imam Abu Yusuf Sheikhan uh, Sheikhan in Hanafi fiqh is For Hassan al-Shaybani And Abu Yusuf Sheikhan Sheikhan Yes, not Shaytan Because I had a, I had a book <laughs> um, print, A modern, modern printed book In which uh, uh, it was Hashia Tahawiyah on Maraqi al Fala. So it's a book in fiqh And in the, in the, in the actual section it was they said, Waqara Shaytan. And obviously, this is people sitting there thinking, okay, in fiqh, we don't normally discuss Shaytan because Shaytan says this. It should be Shaykhan. The two 
Abu Yusuf and Muhammad al-Shaybani said this and Abu Hanifa said the opposite. Yeah. But the nature of, of um, Arab printing nowadays is such that they don't spell check. As long as the word makes sense, they don't care whether what's before and after it makes any <coughs> sense. Which is why, you know, people that buy books, Arabic books specifically, they're very, very careful. I mean, I go to a library, always, you can tell a lot about the person's um, studying from, the, from where they buy the books. So there's this, uh, there's this publishing, publishing house, Dar al-Qutub al-Ilmiyyah, which basically is um, copies and paste and, and, and basically transfers files and just prints stuff without checking it. Mm. And it's just full, every page, you know, is full of mistakes. It's very, it used to be very, very famous. Uh, but they're very shiny books. Yeah. So what, the, what you have is like, almost like a, a, a piece of art on the, on the, on this, the, the, in the cover. Yeah. But inside is, is pathetic. Yeah. So you know, it's it's one of these things. That externally, what what you see is not what you always see internally. Um, so Sheikh Sheikhan is the the two, <laughs> um, the two sheikhs, meaning the two students of Abu Hanifa, and they were always contrasted with Abu Hanifa. Imam Muhammad al Shaybani was um, much much younger, and he's the person that preserved the Hanafi school, and Abu Yusuf is the one that um, I, I would say gave it. Um, and they state both were officially, uh, officially appointed. Not only um, Abu Yusuf, um, Abu Yusuf was appointed the, the, the chief justice, um, and it was a, it was a position actually that Abu Hanifa was was almost forced into a couple of times. So he had to um, he had to swiggle out of having it having it thrust upon him at, at least twice. And in the end, in fact, he was killed by poisoned by the the Abbasids, because of his support for uh, one of the Alawite um, revolts. So it's, it's, that's all historical. But the, but the point I was making here is that, you know, this is a, a humbling experience and a learning experience for Prophet Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Then Allah says in verse 61, فَلَمَّا بَلَغَا مَجْمَعْ بَيْنَهُمَا And when they reach the, the, the meeting place between the two seas, they forget their, their fish. And so all of a sudden you're thinking, where does this fish come from? Yeah. Because you would you would say um, the story is that they're going on a journey to the meeting place of the two oceans, and they have a, a fish which is the which is the indicator to tell them that they've arrived. But no, none of this is is mentioned. So this detail is all new from from the Quran. Like none of this is, has any parallels. What we do have parallels about is the Prophet Khidr alayhi salam is. Um, Considered, it also will come up when we talk about the Qurnayn, because he said in, in, in you know in history of Tabari and others that he uh, he uh, he um, he was with and he travelled with the Qurnayn to find. Remember, the Qurnayn is searching for different things. Mm. One of the things he's looking for is the, is the fountain of of eternal life, which is this water source. Which if you drink from it, you will. It's a fable that comes up in almost every mythology. There's a special fountain that if you drink from it, you'll be immortal. Sheikh, I'm going to pause you there. Um, just to conclude this first session of Surah Kahaf's uh, commentary, that uh, there is this discussion, which part of Surah uh, of Hazrat Musa uh, um, life uh, th- this particular uh, story relates to. Um, and as uh, we heard Sheikh saying that it's most likely that it was in the later part where he was at his pinnacle. And he... Uh, said he's knowledgeable but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala humbled him by showing him more to be learnt 
there is more knowledge to be acquired time just now is uh 4 past 8 iftar today is going to be at 9:19 9:19 um this is saturday uh 9th of may reflections with <coughs> sheikh rizwan muhammad just before the break uh we, we kind of reviewed what we had done in the last sitting uh trying to understand the context of the story in the life of uh, hazrat musa alaihi salam and we move on to the next bit where the actual uh parable starts sheikh so bismillah rahman rahim so this is um obviously parable is is is, is um probably not the right word for it hmm? parable is probably not the right word for it yeah so it's it's um it's a historical narrative so parable it's, is more of something yeah that you can draw at, uh, attention to a principle uh, from hmm. and it's based on historical usually historical features sure. this i mean the whole point of this is the detail shows it's such a historical thing with historical figures yeah and you know we got to verse 61 and Allah mentions that they forgot the fish and then fattakhadha sabilahu fil bahri saraba and then what happens is the fish took its way to the sea as in a tunnel so the, what is indicated in the arabic is that there's some kind of um amazing miraculous method by which this fish leaps into the the majmal bahrain which what we understand now is that this is a sign that has been given to the prophet musa and his attendant that they have reached the place where they're going to meet hmm. the, the 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 personage of of khidr alayhi salam and what's interesting is what i mentioned last week is before the teaching takes place the humbling takes place which is quite interesting before the teaching takes place of the teacher teaching the humbling is already taken place it's like you know in certain masajid in certain islamic um, architectural structures the the door to enter something is lower so you have to you have to bow down so certain mosques in certain parts of the muslim world to get into the mosque you have to bow down slightly to get in is it a principle we should follow in our lives what to self humble self discipline yourself in a way that you know that you're going to a place uh-huh. where you will be prominent mm-hmm. you will be sought after mm-hmm. you will be leading situations mm-hmm. before you do that mm-hmm. you become mindful and place yourself in a situation that you become humble <laughs> I need to get an example of that would you so obviously you don't humble yourself in the in the meeting or in the no. you know hum, humiliate yourself or you know there's a whole um, pathway in, in 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 sufism which has been very controversial which is you you humble and humiliate yourself in public mm. so um so that that's said yeah. ali ad-darqawi he by his, his teacher um would um, would he was a great scholar in in fez and and it was a scholar meaning he'd graduated illustriously he had um everybody studying with him and then when he started to study the the, the spiritual path on tazkia because he was obviously arrogant um his teacher ali jamal he he made him walk about in the marketplaces with a a, a pile of hats on Mm. to to for people to mock him so he went to the same places where he would walk with honor and dignity he walked with you know almost like a, a, a somebody who's slightly um is eccentric or lost their mind slightly so that humbled him and also he made him um, work as a garbage collector in the same city mm. 
So you can imagine that was that was more to humble. That was more to teach that he had As a lot growing to learn. Up, we had teachers. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember that they would ask us on a on a weekend to mm-hmm. go and clean the kind of the filthiest part of the mosque. Mm-hmm. Just go and clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the wudu area in Pakistan, you have this, you know, the the, the, no, no. the moss, yes. uh, the green yes. kind of, and you had to clean it. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know why they did it, but other than that, I can't. I mean, he's a famous footballer, plays for Liverpool. He's known to um, in Liverpool to clean the mosque the toilet area. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm not very good at. Um, I'm so sure somebody's going to text me right away. Because what's interesting is when I ask, when I'm not sure about something stupid football, I see all these alerts on my phone. When it's a question of fiqh <laughs> or aqidah or Islamic law or history, you know, summum bukman umyun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, Everyone's quiet. It shows quiet. people's priorities um, and, their, and, their, and their skill. Uh, you know, I've got texts from last year and the year before, seconds after I've, I've asked about Absolutely. something. Yeah, you asked for the score. Um, not the score no, it's also like, you forgot the name of a player yeah or something like that because I, I yeah, just yeah. kind of a vague and idea of somebody famous running about with a piece of leather filled up with air but um, so it's yeah so that's humbling I mean that's a, that's a, that's a method of, of humbling somebody and the thing is that the more that you care this is why I said the the perception of it being a disciplining or a, a, a telling off of the Prophet Musa I think is not correct we're looking at this and it makes it very difficult to use the story in different contexts because everybody can learn from this story. Mm. Everybody has a very clear... Uh, discipline is just like you discipline a child. I think in, 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 the, in the run of how you tell a story and you ha- how you inculcate uh, a lesson, everybody understands that. But to the complexity of this is that it is of benefit to the Prophet Musa and it's not... It's not even a, a humiliation of him. It's actually a raising up of his station. And so what happens is, the sign that takes place is of this fish. And that is why, um, it, this is the, the teaching pathway. That if you claim that you're so knowledgeable, you forgot the first thing you're supposed to remember. You know, this, as if you're, you send somebody with some, for something important. And when they get there, they're sitting there and they don't even know what they're there for. Hmm. I mean, so if you come and tell them what you're doing here, you said, oh, you sent me. And you, and you say to him, well, why did I send you? And he looks up. You know, right away, the power dynamics is very clear. If you are disciplining or teaching that person something, it's clear that they need to learn. Mm-hmm. By example, that's a very clear example that, you know, if they were saying, I can do this all myself, and why not give me more, um, you know, kind of power and more authority to make decisions and more empowerment, you say, no, you're not ready. And the, and the person says, I'm ready. And you just send them for a simple task. They fail. It's obvious that they're not ready. And so what happens here is that they forget. Hmm. And that's what Allah says, فَلَمَّا جَاوَزَ When they, they pass by this and miss it, قَالَ لِفَتَاهُ He says to his, um, his, his servant, boy servant, bring us our morning meal. Truly we have suffered such fatigue in, in this, our journey. Um... So there you go, there's a text <laughs> The player's name is Sadio Mane I can also answer some questions on fiqh inshallah So this is a student Yeah, tell Sadio to just chill huh? No, no, it's somebody else <laughs> So there you go Within seconds Yeah, yeah. His name is, just, just for the record of the rec- recording Sadio Mane 
And the thing about Sadio Mane is he's from a very spiritual background. I think he's, so there we go, I'll have texts in, in a second as well. He's from Senegal. Yeah, okay. I think he's from Senegal. Yeah. Senegal is is a country in which over half of its population are, are associated with a specific Islamic spiritual path which which um, focuses on um, service. Okay. So the path is a path of service. So some paths are ones of knowledge, some of some are paths of of fasting or prayer. This one is about serving other people. Mm-hmm. So obviously he must be inculcated with that from you know young very young age, age that young this age. is what you do. And so this, I mean, it's the interesting thing here is that this whole humbling experience comes up for me every single point of the, this verse. So when they pass further beyond the place they were supposed to say, Musa said to his boy servant, bring us our morning meal. Truly we have suffered such uh, much fatigue in this, our journey. Now the fatigue comes in after they've passed the place that they were supposed to stop at. Now when they stopped at the place that they were supposed to stop at, was he fatigued? Hmm. You know, they arrived at the Majma al-Bahrain, the place of the two uh, waters, water place, water sources meeting. And when they've arrived there, he didn't say, bring me my uh, meal because I'm fatigued, this journey has made me tired. It's afterwards that he feels that. So what's interesting here is, if they had stopped where they're supposed to have stopped, and they'd recognized that that's where they should have stayed, they would have met the Prophet Khidr. Mm. Yeah? They wouldn't have been fatigued. Now, the fatigue is introduced into the story at the very moment that they feel that they um, knew something and they forgot it. And then afterwards, because they forgot it, the repercussions come in, which is they're tired, they're fatigued. And the thing that's the sign is, is they're kind of, it's such an interesting thing that they're actually allowed to now focus on the fish. Mm-hmm. Which is their food, sustenance. Mm-hmm. And when they look at their fish, they realize it's disappeared. And when they, when they do the investigation of why it's disappeared, they realize that they're even, they need to be even more humbled mm-hmm. because they actually forgot. You know, so it's interesting that it's, it's humbling the human being generally that look at your, look at the degree to which you are in, in, in need of Allah and you're not self sufficient. You're fatigued, you forget. Even the thing you're supposed to do, you're totally un- oblivious until somebody reminds you of it. And this is what happens here. Uh, he says, uh, do you remember when we betook ourselves in the rock? In other words, this is the Prophet Joshua speaking. I indeed forgot the fish. So right away he forgot the fish when he was sitting there. It, it, it couples up the story with the fact that even the servant that's with him is, is oblivious and negligent and, 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 and forgetful. None but shaitan made me forget it. It took its course into the, way, into the sea. Um, it went into the sea in a way that is miraculous. Now the thing here is, if it was miraculous, why don't you tell the person who's in charge of the whole trip that the, your food, which is your sustenance has disappeared and from the narratives you have, is it's a cooked fish or a salted fish. It becomes alive and it jumps in. And what's interesting is some of the, some of the narrations say that they put the basket on the ground. It was touched by the water which was Majm al-Bahrain. Mm. That was the water of life. It gave it life and it disappeared. Mm. Does it make sense? Like the Majm al-Bahrain was, they would say, the fountain of life. The dead fish became alive, disappeared. 
But the, the fascinating thing is that Joshua didn't even think to tell the Prophet Musa. And what's more, he forgot until it came to the point that they had to eat the fish. Hmm. So it, at each point, you're thinking, what, what? why didn't you just tell him when it, when it happened? If it's something ajaba, fil bahri ajaba, it went and took his path into the sea in a miraculous, amazing way. You know, something that's amazing, you tell the person next to you. Like, imagine you're going, around, you, I know you go hill walking. Imagine you saw something weird, like a unicorn. Hmm. And you're walking with the person, and then, you know, two years later you say, by the way, remember we went to that, 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 um, that whatever it's what's those big hills you call? Ben Liddy. Monroe. A Monroe. We went to that Monroe, and you know, when we were on the way back, I saw this silver colored unicorn, um, you know, flying, just hovering just above us. And your, your, your friend saying, well, what? So, what made you, what made you remember? Why didn't you tell him right away? This is what this story does. It actually gets you to the point where you're thinking, why not tell? And the reality is that he says that he was made by shaitan to forget it. And so what happens here is, even in, the, in this kind of ascription of it being made, you being made to forget by shaitan, there is this kind of covering up of the essential fact that you forgot. Hmm. You can't just remind or bring in the shaitan for everything that um, is, a, is, a, is a feeling because essentially what's happening here is you should have been able to remember. But for, forgetfulness is not in your control. Mm-hmm. Or is it? Forgetfulness is is part and parcel of human nature. If insan is insan. Ibn Abbas says, insan, insan The reason why human beings are called humans is because they forget. Certain people are hazir dimag, right? Some mm-hmm. some are absent-minded. Yes, yeah, so some some people are, are are you know kind of aware of things, and some people are kind of negligent. But what's interesting is it's not ascribed to the self; it's ascribed to the shaitan, um, and that's ex- essentially what what is actually happening at each point. It is you know what you the picture that comes out of these three verses is confusion. On their part, complete mayhem in terms of their plan to, to meet Khidr. And it's not, it doesn't bode well for their claim, or the Prophet Musa's claim that he was the most knowledgeable. Hmm. So do you understand this thing of being humble just before you enter into something? Um, and you asked, is it good to take that path? I didn't answer that question totally, because um, I went off in a story somewhere. Um, so there we go, this is the, the, the fast kicking in, forgetfulness. This is forgetfulness. Um, it's important to remind yourself of your limitations in private, um, and and that thing of Abu Yusuf that he never he said he never entered into a, into a, an assembly of people thinking he was the best of them, except that God humiliated him, and not, and he never entered into assembly thinking he was the least of them, except that God raised him up. That's a personal thing that everybody has to do, which nobody needs to know about, and you won't see it on the person when they enter. Or do something that this is what they did before they went. So it's not as if you come in with your head bowed. You know, the Prophet, you know, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he saw a person praying and he saw him, you know, um, bowing his head down to the point his chin was touching his neck and he, and he hit him. And he says, the, your, your, you know, humility is, is, not, is in the heart, not in the neck. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes so, we the, think because the, 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 the person is like groveling, and yeah. you think that's a sign of intense poverty. But there's such arrogance there that is yeah. that is they have to hide it with this show of um, um, humility. And the opposite, there could be a person who is 
who's so majestic that you think this person's arrogant, and in fact, it's it's a cover for the intense humility. Like some of my teachers, like Sheikh Abdul Razak Halabi, even when he was decrepit and old, he used to be carried in by two people into the class to teach. We were all, you know, scared, mm. scared to the utmost that he was in his late seventies, early eighties, unable to speak, unable to walk. But um, you know, it was scary. Mm. It was just amazing because, um, and, and in fact, when he was younger, it said that when he gave the khutbah, he would jump sometimes in the khutbah. Mm. You know, like you have imams that sometimes do khutbah and they yeah, end up the breaking the, the speaker because they're so. Um, like he would, from the he would jump from the member to give, to read the prayer. Okay. So vibrant and so awe inspiring when he, when he was younger, but he came came to the point in his life later on, because he extended expended his life so much in teaching constantly. I mean, it was it was you know um, known how how long, how much he spent teaching from dawn till dusk. You know, well, it was two hours before Fajr. We used to see him. Hearing people from all over the Muslim world coming to recite Quran to him, and that was a constant thing. Um, he expended himself to the point that he his neck couldn't carry his head, so the humbleness was medically imposed that he couldn't actually lift his head. So he was constantly like that. But in his in in his in his youth, he was you know um, vigorous. Hmm. You know, so humility is not something that is. Something you'd make a show of. And so what happens here is verse 63. We covered it, but the shaitan, he says the shaitan made him forget. And Musa, Musa says, uh, this is what we had been seeking. What was it? The two things. One is the majmal bahrain. That's what we were seeking. That was instructions. Was that. And the fish was was going to be this kind of hidden um, premonition of the fact that this, yes, this is a place, just in case you don't know it, this amazing thing would happen where the, the water of life would give life to this fish and there you would be certain that this person that you're going to meet here is going to be more knowledgeable than you. And this is when the Prophet Musa says, this is what we've been seeking. So they went back, retracing their steps. So this is quite interesting. You know, you have to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine you send a child to... The shops, you can't do that now, it's illegal. COVID-19, yeah. <laughs> you know, this whole thing of COVID-19 is this like basic things that we used to be sent to shops with like 10 pence to buy sweets. You can't do it now. Imagine you sent... Huh? Non-essentials. Non-essential, but also, you know, children are not allowed out with them by themselves. We used to be like five years old walking to the shops. Um, and imagine you send... I mean, this happened to me so many times. Your parents would send you to the shop to buy something. You would come back with lots of goodies... And then they would look at you and say, like, where's the thing I sent you? I for milk, yeah. eggs, butter. And, and then what, essentially what will happen is you'll be sent back. They'll be sent back um, to re, 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 retrace their steps. And that's what the child does when they go back. They're actually being humbled there because they, 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 they're so... Taken up in the goods of this world That they kind of forget what the reason For what they were doing was And so Allah says that they retraced their steps um, Qasasa So Qasasa, I don't know how it's translated In the Urdu, can you, have you got a Qasafa uh, Qasasa So that, قَالَ ذَلِكَ مَا كُنَّا نَبْغِي 
So he says at that point, the Prophet 64. Musa says, yeah, 64, that this is what we were seeking. And so they reached. And so they reached. So chapter because Qasas in Arabic is a, is a story. Mm. Now, why is a story so interesting? Qasas in Arabic means to, you know, you have a shadow. You know, you have a shadow. Mm-hmm. When you're walking, the shadow is following you constantly, yeah. isn't it? So, Qasas and Qasas is essentially you read something which will become like your shadow for life. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're going to be drawing parallels with this. You're going to be using it to the point that it's your now your shadow. The story is your shadow, not your shadow. Mm-hmm. But this will now be the new shadow that you have, which is the thing that you should be following and trying to and step by step imitate. Shadow so when we're life. given the story of... It, it is footprints, isn't it? No, no, it's not footprints. It's not. Okay, so English translation I have here is saying the same. Naqshay Qadam. That is what we are seeking. So they return following their footprints. So this uh, in this atharihima qasasa ala atharihima atharihima so atharihima is 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 on your your footprints on atharihima okay so and qasasa so is missing even in this translation yes so this is why i'm saying um you know when i read this uh, the image that comes to mind is that they are mimicking where they went following it absolutely and they have to do it and Qissa, as I said, is, is something that is related to story, but the origin of it is to follow a shadow or to to completely mimic something. Hmm. And the reason why Qissa is called a Qissa is because um, it's something when you read, it brings a new perspective to your life that sometimes, like the Prophet Yusuf's story, salam, that hmm. you try and then gain so much wisdom from, so much knowledge from, so much insight from, for your own life. You know, the rags to riches story. The fact that with the difficulty comes ease story. So then if you read it, you're informed by the story of Yusuf. So if somebody's in a very difficult situation during COVID-19 or they're going through a very difficult situation in life, even outside that, and then they remember the story of the Prophet Yusuf, what they instill with themselves is the hope that they can follow that teaching of that Prophet mm-hmm. or the life teaching of that Prophet or the life experience of that Prophet. And that is essentially what is, is happening here, that they're following exactly where they were. So the point here is that, but also humbling. It's very humbling. Mm. So before, as I said before, you know, when I read this, the humbling, people always say that he joins the Prophet Khidr, and they go, and he's humbled by the fact he's shown things he doesn't know. That's what humbling. The humbling is taking place all through a, the beginning. There to be a theme in this. Story. Yes, so before... Being humbled by the knowledge of the person, you're humbled by the situation God is placing you in. 
So it's almost as if um, Allah is teaching the Prophet Musa a very important lesson for his own perfection. And then what happens is, فَوَجَدَ عَبْدًا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا And it's at that point, you know, now they're ready. You know, imagine the story was, and when Musa said to his, his boy servant, I will not give up traveling until I reach the junction mm-hmm. of the two seas, um, or I spend years and years traveling. And then it said, فَوَجَدَ عَبْدًا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا And then they found a servant of ours. Imagine they went and they got, you know, d- you know, a, a plane ticket, airport they found. And there was no learning has taken place, no humbling has taken place before they've entered. The whole situation is, the dynamics is that the Prophet Musa still thinks he is the most knowledgeable. Apart from the fact God's told him there's somebody more knowledgeable, the psychology of the Prophet would be that I'm still the most knowledgeable until proven otherwise. Mm. Now, the moment that you have all these steps that take place before, it shows you that you've got a lot to learn, a lot to remember, a lot to, a lot of levels of accomplishment to reach. Then obviously when you, you meet Before this other you person... Before you start your new learning. Huh? Before even you start your new learning. Before you've, hum- you've been hu- humbled. And it's like, um, you know, imagine you're, a, you're, a, you're a, a woodcarver, a carpenter, and you think you're the best carpenter. And then you're told about a master carpenter in, say, Japan... And you go to meet him and you're saying, well, this is how I use the chisel and this is why I use the plane and I've got 20 different planes. And then he asks you to do a simple task and then it's very expensive wood and you do it and you actually go against the grain and you damage the piece of wood. And then the person takes, the, the master takes off your hand and, and does it. Before even you've started to learn from him, he's humbled you to the point the dynamics now is one uh, very, very clear. And so essentially what happens is at that point they find... Abdan min ibadin at the same place, so at the Majmal Bahrain, which is the kind of place where the two seas meet, and which is the kind of we would, you know, certain narratives would have it as the as the as the fountain of of life. And then what happens is that they meet, um, upon Allah says, upon whom we placed mercy, um, and what's interesting here is. He's been given something. Been given mercy, but also he's been granted Milladunna from our presence knowledge. And so this is what is interesting because you have the contrast very clearly of the Prophet Musa and his whole life and his bravery and his fight against oppression and you know, kind of punctuated with this instance of claiming that he's the most knowledgeable, being humbled to the point that he reaches this person. And then the person is introduced by this very interesting, very simple explanation of his blessing from God. عِبَادِنَا He finds a servant. They both find a servant from amongst our servants. We have granted the person mercy. مِنْ عِنْدِنَا From ourselves. Not just mercy, but it's a special type of mercy. So everything that he's got is from God. So the source of it is not prophecy per se, it is almost direct inculcation of two qualities, one of which is mercy, which is the most overpowering name of God, or attribute of God, and also knowledge, which is one of the pre-eternal attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Musa, And then the Prophet Musa says to him, and this is what's interesting is, can I follow you upon something? 
Upon what? That you teach me something of that knowledge and guidance that you have been taught. And essentially, he, he comes in humbled and ready. The conversation could have been, Allah says that you're the most knowledgeable, let's see. You know, the, the, the dynamics of the conversation could be completely different. But he right away has admitted off stage, you know, off stage meaning off the stage of him meeting Khidr alayhi salam, that he, he actually is not the one that is going to be questioning um, anybody. He's not the one that's going to be teaching anybody. He's going to be the one that is learning. Hmm. And so right away he just puts his, he puts the cards on the table and says, you know, can I follow you? Is it, is it, can I have the permission to follow you? Um, so you teach me something of what you've been taught in terms of rushd, which is, again, guidance. And right away the response is, قَالَ إِنَّكَ لَن تَسْتَتِيعَ مَعِيَ صَبَرًا That's the famous line in, in this story. He says to him, indeed, you will never be able to um, burden having patience with what I will do. إِنَّكَ لَن تَسْتَتِيعَ مَعِيَ صَبَرًا yeah, you will never have the capacity to remain with me with patience. Hmm. Like you don't have the patience. You won't have patience. Like, and remember, the patience here is about. It's not that he's impatient, because you could say there's not patience. Impatient? No. His knowledge of the nature that it cannot keep up with the knowledge of the Prophet Khidr. And this will cause an imbalance in the personality of the Prophet Musa that he will re- remonstrate and there, argue. There, there argue. Is a, there's an opting out in the next ayah mm-hmm. uh, where you know, they're given a verdict. You, you can't be patient. You won't have the capacity. But how could you have capacity? Because you, you can't have capacity to know what you don't know. Yes, yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm coming to. The patience is not that he's impatient. Yeah. The, the impatience... The impatience is not either, so the lack of patience is not that he's impatient, that means seems to be strange, but it's that his knowledge does not encompass what the Prophet Khidr has, and therefore he will he will atrophy and fail and in this test. He will essentially um, not be able to remain without arguing something. Hmm. And the reason, as you said before, here is mentioned in the next verse. وَكَيْفَ تَصْبِرُ how is it? How is it even plausible that you can um, have patience upon those things that your own experience does not encompass? Hmm. Like your experience of life. So in the, in the English here, it says, and how can you have patience about a thing which you know not? So this is not what is meant, this is not what's being said. So this is a translation of, um, this is a translation you have here, which is, I think it's, Yusuf Ali, I and think. how can you? Uh, no, this is Bektal, I think. How um, can so you? So no, this one I've got here that is in the in the, here is. Um, actually, doesn't say whose it is. It's probably one of those Sahih ones. <laughs> Sahih, Sahih, Hassan Sahih. <laughs> <laughs> so the point here is Khubara. Khubara is experience, life experience. Tuhito means encompassing. So what it says here, you don't have knowledge of it. That's not what's being said. It says, and how can you have patience upon something of which your experience does not encompass? Your experience does not encompass these situations where you know what's happening, but your your experience of life 
essentially the, the khibra is it's interesting here is khibra is from khibra which is experience um, you know if you live a long life you can give advice to people on things that they're going through that they will not accept from you mm. so if you've been through a long life with ups and downs life experiences of loss and, and, and success when you speak to somebody who's let's in the mid 20s going through something difficult because they can't understand your experience when they say something to you and you're in your mid 20s you won't accept it in fact you're probably angry mm. so if you have a loss in your family for example or even a loss of something that's un- unimaginable uh, and then somebody who is wise gives you advice and says it will pass the person who's young will say how can it pass mm. and they'll probably get angry and you can imagine the situation where they will stop speaking to somebody that is because your experience does not encompass this scenario mm. of re- it being resolved over time Yeah. so the thing that in the end of your life you look back and there's an experience there which which you see that it was resolved yeah, in some you, way. You aren't able to connect all the dots at the you time. You can't connect all the dots. And that's like I mentioned all the time, Jaladin uh, Romi's metaphor of the Persian carpet. You can never see, an ant can never see the full scan of the carpet and the beauty of the carpet. It can only see the curls, which colors on the ground which seem to be um, irregular and mm. irrational. Mm. And that essentially a person in their, in their early life is thinking loss, suffering, um, depression, all these things are not needed without knowing the whole span of human experience mm. and the fur- purpose of things. And that's essentially what the Prophet uh, Musa is being told. He says, he's being told, and, and as, as I said, this is from uh, my reading of it is towards the end of the Prophet, uh, Prophet Musa's uh, life, that khubra he has is, is intense. Mm. You know, the, 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 the experience, look at all the experiences he's been through. If, you, if you're taking it to be the preaching that he did to Bani Israel once they were, they were saved and, and, and given um, respite, um, he's had all this life experience of being a fugitive, marrying, um, you know, fighting Fir'aun, preaching to him. In fact, in the narrations, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet um, Harun and Musa, in fact, the Prophet Harun Musa make a dua and they, and they ask for um, Fir'aun to be um, defeated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and we, re- and we responded to their dua. Hmm. And what's interesting is in the books of Tafsir, they say when they make the dua for his dist- Pharaoh's destruction, and Allah saying, Fastajaba, and when Allah responds to their dua, Fastajaba is to respond to it, like always, almost right away. Hmm. They said it's 40 years between the dua and, and the response hmm. So I think that's experience And so whatever way you read this, this happening at whatever point you've, you've got extensive experience of having the patience of preaching and preaching And, and, and saving yourself from the, you know, the, the plagues that happened And the whole instance of going to the magicians And speaking to Pharaoh and being, and being chased across the Red Sea, all these instances are all experiences. And he's being told that even at that point, you have no ability to have patience because your life experience does not encompass what we're going to, we're going to, you're going to see. And essentially what we see is exactly that. 
So for the listeners who have just joined, uh, we chose this surah, Surah Kahf, for a reason, to understand our situation that we are in, COVID-19, um, and especially uh, this lockdown situation. And I was promised that, inshallah, we'll be able to understand a lot of it that we don't understand, trying to make sense of the calamity that some people may term this situation as. Uh, some people may think that we are under a lot of stress and how do we deal with this uh, and how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us uh, in different stories, parables, na- narrations uh, how uh, other people dealt with something similar when they had this uncertainty in life uh, to embrace uncertainty with um, uh, with valor, with uh, iman and with conviction and what we've learned so far in this surah is two main themes that come to um, my mind that I have taken in last 15 days uh, are two contrasting um, branches of knowledge one is acquired knowledge and the other is ladunni uh, the, the knowledge that is given and they both, there seems to be uh, sometimes a tension between the two. Uh, how do you reconcile between the two types of knowledges that we have, we're given, uh, and we experience, and how do we interact with that kind of knowledge? Uh, there's a time for a short ad break, and then after this break, inshallah, I'm going to ask Sheikh to comment on uh, the, the main theme of this uh, surah. Uh, one of the main themes of the surah is to understand how to deal with the third dimension the realm as the other realm that we, we have to experience throughout our lives. And this is what's coming out from this story as well, that Prophet Musa salam, he knows a lot, but he wants to learn more. And what he mo- wants to learn more, he is now qualifying all the prerequisites that he needs to have to, to acquire that part of knowledge. Just to interact with, how, how do we <coughs> interact? It, it seems that, it seems that, the whole stories, all the stories so far, are roaming around something which is not acquired knowledge, something that you don't, you can't learn with your own choice. Mm-hmm. It's given to you. Uh, either it's an inspiration, it's uh, wahi in Prophet's case, and within the prophethood as well, it's not just your regular wahi, it's uh, more than that. Mm. Even they find it strange and kind of difficult to grapple. Hmm. So, ilm ladunni is, is a special term. It's, it's, um, it's, it's different from, you'd imagine, revelation or <clears throat> inspiration. Because revelation is obviously what prophets are given by an angel and they are inspired by certain things to do certain things. So, um, it, 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 what we talk about in terms of sharia and in terms of revelation is that it, it is declaring God's will for humankind mm. so Essentially when you think of the Quran Or the New Testament Or you think of the Old Testament Or you think of the Suhaf That were given to the different prophets um, You think that they're given As instructions And um, Pathways to worship God And to deal with Specific problems that people have as well So if you look at the Quran um, The type of guidance that's there is Guidance on worship Guidance on Creed, guidance on even relationships with other communities, 
<coughs> friends and enemies, um, inheritance. So these are all what we call um, sharia, which is basically a pathway towards life, mm-hmm. which is teachings how to regulate your life and also have a good connection between yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are all out- outward things. So when you worship, you're wor- worshiping outwardly. When you are fasting, there's certain you, things you have to do. Sorry, you've just said this in passing, mm. but it's, it's quite a detailed concept. Mm. Good connection with yourself and good connection with Allah is Sharia. Yes, so that's essentially what Sharia is. So essentially, the reason I'm mentioning that is because when I come to speak about ilm ladunni, that's different. It's because normal knowledge we think of, which is acquired knowledge or even revealed knowledge. Mm-hmm. So acquired knowledge is what we learn. We go to university, we learn. Yeah. Um, we educate and we get certificates. Um, revelation is information that you're given, a knowledge that you're given from a divine source that helps you deal with your lives, which mm-hmm. is given to prophets. So these are all things that regulate our lives, make sure that our responsibilities towards God and, his cre- and the creation are fulfilled properly. So in this context of COVID, you've got... The same thing, you've got responsibilities to your human beings, which is restricting the contagion and spread of a specific disease. That's part and parcel of sharia, that there's steps that you have to take. And in, in this month of Ramadan, with COVID, also there's a, there's a connection of how to worship Allah in that context as well. It's all outward that you can pray in your house, and, and you should pray in your house, and you should take all these precautions. But there's also all these avenues to worship Allah anyway. That is all ilm, that is knowledge which is acquired either through learning or through revelation. Mm-hmm. So that is contrasted here with ilm ladunni, which is God's source knowledge. Ladunni meaning from God, almost directly. Which is almost like a, you would imagine to be, you know, this story is about um, the Prophet Khidr, the the kind of background to this is that they meet as I mentioned again in passing that they meet at the 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 meeting of two sea two seas or two water water sources which are then sometimes understood to be the the, the water of life so in terms of the Prophet Khidr you know he'll come up in narratives and this is almost all the commentators discuss this when when the, when the Dajjal Antichrist comes to the end of time he will be able to kill um, and 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 you know bring to life one person, and the and, and the person that he will kill will be the Prophet Khidr. So this idea that Khidr is 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 um, in a sense extended in his existence is something that's accepted by majority. I think of Sunni scholars anyway. Um, and how's that happening? It comes from the source of his. Life, which is a, a, a water source which gives eternal life. Um, so himself and the Prophet Elias uh, are considered to be still alive. So this is something that's kind of understood. Um, but Ilm Ladunni is again not part of life, it's part of knowledge, which is special. So this life is special because they're given li- a life source which is extended. But also their knowledge of Allah and the knowledge they're given of how the creation works is a special type of knowledge, which is beyond the type even of revelation, even beyond the type of, obviously, of information that we have, which is essentially the dimension of the mechanics behind the scenes of how 
and why things take place, which is the whole realm that we don't understand. So, you know, you could have books in my library, you have books on tafsir and hadith and all these things, and you can investigate and you can think, and, you, and it's all muktasib, it's all understood through even language. If you read the Quran, your commentary on the Quran is going to be based upon language mostly, mm-hmm. and that's all acquired. You know, yeah. if I know a word and its background, it's because I've looked, I've kind of studied it and remember it. Um, but Ilm Ladunni is basically um, knowledge that is direct, not acquired, and essentially is of a type that you can you cannot acquire you cannot acquire by your own choice and your own volition and effort. We all have that to a degree. No, we we, we don't. Ilm Ladunni is special. Gifted knowledge So Ilm Ladunni always comes with it This idea that it's a gift hmm. From God Because it's Ilm Ladunni Ilm Ladunni is related to God-centered knowledge Or God's source knowledge Yeah but it could be Knowledge on any topic No no So what the, the idea here is If you look at the The actual Arabic And the expression That's like a phrase now Min Ladunni Yeah yeah, That's in the Arabic here It's in the Quran It's 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 used in that construction But <coughs> um, Let's have a look at this Because the way that it's actually um, So this is the Prophet Musa Ali salatu was saying فَوَجَدَ عَبْدَ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا آتَيْنَاهُ رَحْمَةً مِنْ عِنْدِنَا وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا And we have taught from ourselves Knowledge That Those words that then later on becomes What are we reading? A kind of um, This is verse number 65 It becomes a stock phrase Which is So in books Will be a special type of knowledge hmm. It's like, a, it's like a, a title for a type of knowledge So is this that from We get granted them knowledge from ourselves Meaning from God Later on that is referred to as Ilm Ladunni Hmm. Meaning, this is why the way I was translating it was God's source knowledge. In other words, knowledge which is sourced directly from God. You mm-hmm. know, like the, the this fountain of life gives direct life. Mm-hmm. The thing that's here is that this knowledge is direct knowledge, not even the na- nature of knowledge that is given via angels, which the message is given. So, Sheikh, how do we understand? I mean, I've heard stories. There are people in Pakistan uh, and there are kind of remote areas of northern Pakistan. Mm -hmm. I know people Mm -hmm. here who've traveled to see those people, to witness the the, the ilm. And the the person has never been to school of any sort. Uh And yet he knows Sihasitta and the entire Quran and Tafasir. I mean, I've got a a book in my library. It's actually in Urdu, which is Tafsir Fadli. I don't know if you've heard of it. The person is illiterate. Yeah, seven volumes. Uh, Ilm al-Dunni. Ilm, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've read through it, and it's actually a fascinating tafsir because it's got the translation. Then it's got um, he has a section called Hasil, which is basically um, what the whole purpose of this verse is, and then it's kind of relevance to people's life. It's quite interesting tafsir because it is tafsir what fadli. Tasfir Fadli, okay. I'll bring in. I mean, I'll 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 go home and I'll I'll have a look at it. Um, but it's interesting. That the person said that he dictated it to his student, but he was illiterate. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, that, that's a story. I mean, there is a living person that I know someone who knows, mm-hmm. and they they are uh, is never been to any school, 
Mm-hmm. What's the? Pro- I mean, how do we interact with this this kind of knowledge, this kind of person? Is but he- is that is that really emladunni? Because I'm thinking if it's having knowledge of things that is known by other people, but you've acquired it in a different way. I don't say that as ilm ladunni. That is more of you know this. This is why it's important to, to look at the sources of things. This may be a type of karama. It might be a type of hmm. gift from Allah, which is something that everybody else has, but they got it from a different different pathway. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing, isn't it? Ilm ladunni is actually it's you know I, I would um, let's see. I'm trying to give an example here. It is. Um, off the grid. It's knowledge which is off the grid. Okay. Example. You have a grid. You have a grid. Like you have a grid. Bukhari, Muslim books of fiqh. They're on the grid. Everyone knows them. Mm-hmm. So we know okay, these books. I, I know what you're saying. Okay. So uh, uh, this knowledge is off the grid. So that person who has who's, who knows the, what's in these books could be a magician. That's a different source of knowledge. It's plausible that you can have magicians that... Yeah, that's one example of many other things that the person knows. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So you have to... When you're explaining ilm ladunni, we're talking about this is knowledge which you off cannot know. Okay. This is off the grid. This is... As behind the wall. This is... Yeah, this is what, what's, what the angels are pushing, the buttons that are being... Lev, lev, levels, levers that are being used to make something happen. Um that is beyond your capacity. Like Ibn Qayyim says that, you know, you may have given sadaqah or, or charity and thought nothing of it and the effects of that are are, um, are being felt in another part of the world. You know, and, and the effect of that would be so many amazing things. Ilm Ladunni would be to see that happen. That you give the sadaqah and you can, you can feel and see all that happening. Mm-hmm. So you can see that that charity has helped that generation of people save themselves from this specific affliction. And when they saved themselves, they went on to do this and this and this. And the end result was the person became and a prime minister or something. And that's what the story is about. Yeah, so this it's essentially... What, he was able to see the cause and effect of a certain act. Yes. Which is the part of... It's the, like if, if I was playing football and then all of a sudden I picked the ball in my hand and kicked it at the field... Over the hedge, everyone's saying you've just broken the rules of football. You picked the football up, you've kicked it out, you know. And it may it might be that there's like a kid in the other garden who's about to jump into a pool. It hits his head and it falls in the grass. Hmm. Like that is, um, on the face of it, they're going to say, "Well, you're breaking all the rules." But the other face of it is that there's something that you is beyond your experience and beyond your knowledge, and you would know of it. Yeah, and you would know that that's, that's part of it. But the interesting of the Prophet, the story of the Prophet Musa is, it's not our business to know that that exists. Okay. So we can uh, live perfectly happy <coughs> lives, and we uh, are living happy lives. That's exactly what we're going to ask now. How much so let me, relevant? Just in case I forget what I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah. I've actually forgotten. <laughs> Inna lillahi so I was going to say something, I've, I've forgotten it. So. Yeah, so it's none of our business to know uh-huh. why this happens. The, 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 the crux mm. of the story is that it's not, it, it's not our business to know why that happened. This is what the teaching to the Prophet Musa was as well. Mm. Yeah, we, we, our lives uh, uh, you know, are going perfectly well without having 
to delve into those specific things. In fact, if we delved into them, if you just think about it for a second, what that would mean if you knew the end results of each action you did, good and bad. So, if you did something that's outwardly not to be done, but leads to a really good end, that means everybody would do that. Mm. Like you would, driving across the road, you would smash into the corner of a car because you know that that person was going to a specific place to do a certain thing and it didn't happen. But you can't live your life on that basis. Now, our lives go perfectly perfectly well with revelation and just outward knowledge. Our education from universities and information from those places is perfectly okay. The revelation gives us understanding of ethics and morality. Everything's going perfectly okay. Everybody lives by that. Everybody knows what the score is. Now, the Prophet Musa was just humbled by God to show him that there is something else in in operation here which is beyond everybody's knowledge. Now, to know it, the benefit of knowing it is to know that there's always a wisdom to something you cannot at this moment understand. That's the basic take-home message of this whole story is that things that happen that you will demonstrate against and and object against in the grand scheme of the wisdom of how the world works, there is a purpose to that. Now, that is a very difficult thing for most people to accept. In fact, most people to accept. Mm-hmm. It's the basis of um, it's the basis of most apostasy, in fact, um, in Christianity and Judaism, which is just saying. Based on the knowledge I have, this does not make sense. This is unfair. This is, this is terrible. This is um, gratuitous, and this is um, the, the opposite of what we think should be part of creation. And so it's almost as if the modern atheist has the same mindset as a person that says I'm the most knowledgeable, because they're saying basically that, you know, based on what I know, it's immoral to have illness. It's immoral for God to create. Suffering. It's immoral for God to allow these things to take place or allow a person, a criminal to do a certain act or whatever. It's immoral and therefore it shouldn't happen. Now, the whole point is there is a wisdom behind everything that happens. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of like criminality and, and oppression. It happens for a very specific reason that human beings are created free. So how do you understand in this uh, corona, covid I mean, the thing about COVID is, I mean, people will say, why did God allow a a disease that doesn't differentiate between the pious and the impious and the young and the old and the sinner and the saint? Um, And essentially, the answer would come back is, these things come out of, don't come out of a vacuum, they come out of (coughs) actions. They come out of choices. They come out of um, specific policies. They come out of life, life experience. So COVID, for example, came out of a whole series of events which led to what we have now, which is now going to be a whole series of other events. Like this COVID-19 is, you know, one manifestation of a number of, of, of coronaviruses. There's a whole series of coronaviruses. This is one, but there's going to be many more. And the thing is, you would say, well, why is God, why is God allowing all these coronaviruses to spread and to affect and to disrupt human life and... And you separate loved ones from their loved ones and all the things you can talk about mm. day and night. But, but you've said it is 
a result of what we have done as a human race. I mean, essentially, it is look at the environment and look at, especially in China. I mean, look at the the um, the inception of this is based upon food choices that were not choices of the Chinese people initially. I mean, in, in ancient China and until modern, you know, until the late sixties, Chinese did not essentially eat the types of animals that they eat in certain parts of China. So certain yeah. delicacies that are now um, prevalent in parts of China. They were not delicacies, they were considered to be the same thing as we consider them to be, which is obnoxious. Mm-hmm. So eating bats, eating dogs, eating um, types of um, wild animals in wet markets. That was caused by wide-scale wide starvation as a result of the, of the Great Leap Forward in, um, imposed by the Chinese Communist Party. So Communist Chinese, Par- Chinese Communist Party imposed nationalisation of all private, private um, enterprises. Farms were taken away from their owners. The farms were broken up into small collectives. Small mm-hmm. collectives are not efficient in producing food as, as an efficient, large um, farm which has people that are experienced. You put people on, on the land who don't know how to farm, they're not going to be able to produce food. 30 million people died. The people that didn't die had to survive on anything that moved. Anything that was available. Yes, yeah, so remember, I, I was listening to something today which was quite heart-wrenching, which is in, in Trablus and Lebanon. You know, certain families are, 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 are searching out stray cats. Because Lebanon, you know, is, it seems to be fairly developed, but the the nature of the economy now is such that the lockdown has created such um, such a need for food that even I know in certain parts of of Sham that was the case as well. There was documented instances of of wild animals or cats or dogs being um, eaten because of starvation, and and so you're thinking. How did that happen? It happened from very specific choices. And and so the thing is, you cannot blame God for the free choice that we've been given based upon which we have our vanilla ice cream and pakore and we decide where we're going on holiday. And then you decide how to order society and you, how to, you decide how to torture people. You can't all of a sudden take free will out of the equations and, and impose upon God the fact that he's not going to create human beings that have the choice. So I'm not responsible for it. Hmm? I did not make the choice of what that was made like thousands of miles away. Yes, absolutely not. But the, you live in the, the realm of cause and effect. Now, your responsibility is to stop that. Like there's a whole, you know, when they, when they found out about the, the earliest coronaviruses, they knew that they, they sourced themselves from wet, wet markets in, in specific parts of China. The responsibility of leaders at that point was to take action. And if they don't, they're responsible. So responsibility goes at all these different levels. So if you say, okay, I'm not responsible for it, so I'm going to opt out. Okay, you have to do that for everything. Mm. Like you have to opt out everything that you didn't have a direct part in, in, in creating. And it becomes very messy the moment that you say, okay, that specific thing which I don't like, somebody else might like. Like mm. even in a situation, I mean, take the COVID situation, I can imagine there's uh, CEOs in the world loving the, con- the, the current context. Mm. Like Amazon CEO has increased in wealth by 24 billion in, in a couple of weeks. Mm. Net worth. Like, you know, Crocodile Tears, if he says that he's feeling sorry for people, there's medical research facilities that are, you know, thinking this is where we cl- plow in all the grant money for seeking vaccines. So, you know, 
it's very it becomes very grey when you look under the surface of what is happening. You, you can imagine, you know, this is an extremely env- uh, controversial thing, but environmentalists, I've spoken to a number of people that I know that are avid environmentalists, say this is the best thing that's happened to the earth, is breathing, yeah. pollution's down, people are sourcing um, local food. You know, so... You know, we're thinking, and it's easy to think that this is a situation that everybody could agree with is a, is a, is a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. But you will have, at the extremities, people that will say it's not a difficult situation. And so how do you decide? Do you, do you take a majority vote to decide which one is the is the correct option or not? And that's a t- learning we get from this part of the surah. Yeah, milladunni, which is, there's, cer- there's a wisdom behind how creation is set up. You just need to have to trust in that. Yeah, but there comes responsibility. Because we'll look at the stories, we'll look at the stories, then it'll be much clearer how this works out. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the, so, the we, haven't t- we haven't touched on any of the stories. Yeah. It's just we just We're just putting that this idea that when I've classified how you can know things, Ilm Ladunni is off grid, it's off the grid knowledge. Hmm. Al Bukhari, Muslim, having fantastic knowledge about Arabic language. You know, having all these things, this is on grid. This is on the grid. This is the four G, five G, whatever it is. This is something everyone can access. It's just how clever you are. So you have scholars that can memorize everything, and the scholars that can memorize nothing. Memorize nothing. You know, our teacher, our teacher, our teacher, Sheikh Saleh Farfour. Somebody came to him and memorized the Quran, and um, he felt he'd done something amazing. It was amazing, but he said. He's, he basically said that another copy has been added to the shelf. You know, if you memorize the Quran, essentially what you've done is added another copy of a, a person who's memorized the Quran. What he was saying was not <coughs> what people would think is he's belittling memorizing the Quran. He's saying the Quran, when you memorized it, it will sit in the sh- 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 shelf unless you do something with it. He's basically saying, look, okay, big deal. Big deal you memorize the Quran. So there's people that know things Inside out, but the point is that ilm ladunni is something off the grid that nobody can access. This is from God by the permission of God, and it's intuitive, um, and it's essentially very close to what we call firasa as well. Firasa is is tied in with ilm ladunni, which is um, intuitive knowledge, which process. So firasa is some all of us can have. Mm-hmm. Any one of us can have. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a subsection of of ilm ladunni. Ilm ladunni. At, at its widest level is understanding the wisdom of things, the essential end result of something. And firasa is insight. Firasa is more insight and intuition that you get, which is inspired by um, God to anybody, and more, most specifically to people that are um, given to obedience to God. So the Prophet said, "Ittaqu firas al-mu'min." So be wary of the firasa of the of the mu'min, the believer. So the firasa has to be of a believer. And that is, he looks by and sees or she sees by the light of God. We understand that that's ilm ladunni from a perspective of intuition. But ilm ladunni from this perspective, which is this story, is about the ultimate purpose and cause of things. It's essentially, you know children, they, they love asking why. Because they're inquisitive. So we're getting up why. Because we're going to have breakfast. Why? Because your body needs nutrition. Why? Because the cell structure is, is created in a way that it requires you to 
expend energy, which means you have to take in energy. Why? Because you have to live. Why? Because you have to do good actions. Why do we have to? The why just keeps going. Mm-hmm. The ultimate why is what ilm ladunni is. Mm. It is basically why do we exist? So we can say oh, to worship God. Why? <laughs> do you understand? It constantly goes. Ilm ladunni is telling you and that, that why is only answered by ilm ladunni by firasa by the insight. ultimate why that, of that, suffering. There's something when clicks uh-huh. that you know. Oh yeah, wow moment, the light bulb. Yeah, but you won't have a light. You won't say wow because Ilm Laduni is not given to people that say wow. Okay. Inside, it's this. In fact, Ilm Laduni is not sought. Ilm Laduni is not. You don't say okay, fantastic. I'm going to go and find Ilm Laduni. That you're never going to get it if you if if your purpose is to get Ilm Laduni, you're not going to get it. Sure. And when you get it, sure, you don't that's, really, that's the case with. most things in life, isn't it? No, no. Ilm Laduni is not given to a person that seeks it. And also, Ilm Ladunni, when the person gets it, doesn't really care for it. True. And that's why, um, you know, somebody asked me this actually a couple of... Well, actually didn't ask me, actually shouted at me. <laughs> no, shouted at me. Um, basically, yeah, they were saying that if there's people on earth that can... whose um, whose du'as can be accepted right away, where are they? What, what are they doing now? Hmm. And and then it's Ilm Ladunni, it's essentially Ilm Ladunni. If you know why, you know that everything is perfect. True. That's, if God's allowing it to happen, there's an ultimate purpose in terms of our, 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 our test, the test for human Subhan beings Allah. as a species. That if the person makes a dua, Allah, Allah, COVID, you know, like, and cool. airplanes flying, people on Umrah, Hajj, you know, going to. The, the clock tower and having their um, whatever <laughs> burger it is and mashallah and you know everything is you know moss filled is that essentially why God has done this subhanallah do you understand yeah. so there must be a purpose that God has done this um, and so and the only is that Let's you if you if you if you prayed for God to alleviate it you're essentially saying that God has got the balance of testing and rewarding wrong. You know, there's a kind of balance of reward and test and tribulations that at this point God has got it wrong. If you look at where the world's going, you know, you, you could argue that it's actually just under, underplayed because look at the nature of economy, look at the nature of multinationals, look at, look at the nature of oppressive governments, look at the pre- nature of um, industries that basically, you know, the way that we basically, you know, rape mm. the developing um, world of its resources to to satisfy our needs and the way that multinationals are allowed to uh, have such power that even governments are are, are 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 kind of a minuscule process in in decision making at that point you would want to shake up the world a bit better or a bit more dekha hai jo kuch maine auron ko bhi dikhla de that's what ikbal said uh, i think we'll stop at that uh, देखा है जो कुछ मैंने औरों को भी दिखला दे अनइमेजिनेबल एंड लेट अदर पीपल नो बट वो आईव सीन सुबह
so he knew something. Uh, end of another reflection uh, with Sheikh Radwan. Inshallah, we'll be back tomorrow at eight o'clock instead of half past seven. Uh, that, so tomorrow reflections will be at eight until iftar time. Uh, I'll leave you with uh, a request of du'as. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you for listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Make sure to visit our Radio Ramadan website at rr365.co.uk to access all of our podcasts. Stay tuned on our social channels for future content. 